0: All right, Will and Will, this is great, I love this. All right, we're in 1 Timothy 5, thank you, Will. I've always wanted to say that, I never talk to Wills very often. (laughs) All right, 1 Timothy 5, glad you're here. 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want to ask you a question, all right? Oh, hey, before I ask you a question, I just had this idea. What if we let the kids go? All the kids, all the children... Everyone, over to their room. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not a professional. I'm just here for the weekend. That's all I can say. <laughs> they look way too happy, as Dad said, to be missing all this. If only they knew. Hey, I want to ask you a question. If it's possible to ask you a question while all this excitement's going on. Do you think we should treat everyone the same? I love that. It means you're thinking. You don't agree. That's that's beautiful. How many of you think we should treat everyone the same? How many of you do not think we should treat everyone the same? How many of you are not going to raise your hand? (laughs) See, I haven't been very long, but you figured this out. This is a trap. Don't do it. Okay, if you're talking about, should we treat everyone with civility? Yes! If you mean, am I going to treat you like I treat my wife? That is an emphatic and resounding no. No, I treat one person like I treat that person, and that is that person, right? She's my wife. Now, as silly as that seems, that is really, really important. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, for instance, the Bible says in, um, if I can find here, verse 21, the Bible says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things, the things we'll look at in just a moment, without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. So yes, we're to treat everyone with civility, without partiality, but no, we're not to treat everyone the tr- way you treat uh, different individuals in your home. First uh, Timothy five is a picture. Now, if I were, if I had a major on training pastors, uh, and I had a course on interpersonal relationships, you could have a big, thick textbook and really smart guys, and you could charge thousands of dollars, take a whole semester, and I'm not exaggerating. And you would try to teach what should be learned at home, because a picture's worth a thousand words. This is not bearing over much weight when I say that God is expecting the home to inform you of the most basic areas of life how to treat others in church how to treat others in work do, do you know how to treat do you know how to do you know how to act in church you know some people do not i i uh, i've heard of, of preachers who said they've seen people putting on their makeup during the service uh, i was in a service and i'm not joking i was in a service once i was preaching and a guy pulled out a snack and ate and drank and was just doing the whole and why not you know if we're going to drink let's just go just to go the whole way he's eating a sandwich while i'm I'm preaching. I'm not joking. This was at a college, eating a sandwich. He was family, not a student, I hope, uh, while I preached. So, uh, some people, it's not just the little kiddies. Sometimes people just don't know how to, to behave in church. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 says, but I tarry, uh, But uh, he says, I write these things unto you that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. So, God has created three institutions, the home, the government, and the church. All three are separate. All three overlap. And the truth is that if you're going to know how to uh, be in society, you need to learn that at home. So uh, I could have an entire semester of college course, or I could give you two verses. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Look at First Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2. Now, four times, the Bible has a little, is it a preposition? As, A-S. And when we get to that place in the text, if you would help me out, I'll give a micro pause and you read the word a-s-as out loud. Are you with me? So I'm reading the verse but we're all reading the as. There's four times you find that, okay? Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. Rebuke not an elder, the context is church, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So, what God is saying here is that uh, we, we be, God begins with the home and you should too. And you learn to successfully navigate life as you learn to do right by the people in your home. Are, are, uh, is everyone in this room the same? Should we treat everyone the same? No. Remember when you were a kid and you went to Publix and you lost your mom? And you thought, ah! Publix, right? Okay, you lost your mom. Ah! I lost my mom. And you're six years old. And you're, you're panicked. So you run down to aisle number one. You look down the aisle. There's no mom. Run down to aisle number two. There's no mom. Aisle number three, the poultry aisle, everything chicken. You look down the aisle. No mom. You run down to aisle four. And there, with a halo over her, is your mom. You're relieved. You're overjoyed. You run down the aisle. You throw your arms around your mom. You look up. It's not your mom. It's a bad feeling, isn't it? So it does matter. It's even worse if you're married and you, you miss your wife and you run down the aisle and, you know, that's not a good thing either. And that's kind of the point. That is the point, okay? If you can learn how to treat the people in your family, you're golden for life. If you don't, you're at a disadvantage for all life. Now, look, can, can a preacher, for example, can he be a great man of God and come from a lousy home? Yes. Scads of preachers of various kinds have done that, and I thank God for God's grace, But my soul, he's got to learn stuff that he should have learned in in home, and he's got to learn that in college or somewhere. And your college is not your dad. And your school is not your mom, and it's not supposed to be. So what I'm saying here is that your home is a training ground for life. That's, That's very obvious. Your home is a training ground for life. So what are you teaching at home? Now, someone says, oh, I already feel guilty. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to make you think and and do what God would have us to do. Oh, I feel guilty. I'm not teaching the way I should. None of us are probably, but I'm not teaching the way I should. Au, Au contraire. That's a little French there. Yes, you are. By design or by default, everybody here is teaching in your home every day. Most of the things you teach, you don't even know you're teaching. And I've learned this from hard experience. You're teaching them. So what are you teaching? What are you teaching? Well, this word as means that we will treat others as we learn to treat them at home. Let me ask you something. What does that word as mean to your kids? If I said, hey, you just treat your pastor the way you treat your dad, would that be good or would that be disaster? If I said, hey, treat the young ladies in your church the way you treat your sister, would that be good? Or would that be bad? What I'm saying is that all your other relationships out there are informed by and taught in the home. And that's why the question, what are you teaching in your home, is so vitally important for us to think about for ourselves. So what should your home teach? Let's just look at a couple things that are obviously given to us in the text. Um, first of all, the Bible says, rebuke not an elder. The idea is, look, you're a young preacher. Uh, don't rebuke an elder. Do you think... A young pastor could be given fits by an old, old geezer. Is that possible? Any, any pastors here that were once young pastors? I'm, there may be more than one. Is it possible for an old guy to give a young pastor a, a, a hard time? Yes. So what do you do? Well, you beat him over the head. I'm the pastor. Whap, whap, whap. No. But you don't roll over either because you're responsible for the flock of God. So what do you do? You entreat him, how? As a father. Now help me out here. What does it mean to to treat an elder in the church? And by the way, there are words in the first few verses that are about uh, the home that are used more officially perhaps about capacities in the church, the elder and widows and so on. We'll get to that in just a moment. But look, if... Um, if I'm to treat an elder as a father, what does that mean in a word? What would you say? Respect. Isn't that amazing? It, It sounds like I'm patting the Bible on the head to say, boy, that's brilliant. But it is. It's not brilliant because I recognize it. It is. It is supernatural. This is amazing. Thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away, and in America, in 2024, I ask a very vague question. And everyone here knows immediately what the answer is. The exact word. I mean, there could be several words used, but you all use the word respect. Because what other word could you use? A picture's worth a thousand words. You've got an entire semester in two verses. As a father, um, your home is a training ground for life, and so your home should teach respect. You know, I've, I've, um, at the ranch, we've often had campers, I've seen campers say something to their counselor or to the youth pastor uh, to the effect of, hey, you're not my dad. When a kid says to an adult, you're not my dad, indignantly, what is he saying? I don't have to obey you. And I don't have to obey you because, here's the cause, because you are what? Not my dad. Now, there's an implicit and implied counter to that. He, the kid doesn't know us, but this is what he's saying. You're not, you're not my dad, so I don't have to obey you. What is, that only carries weight if there's another side of that. What is the other side of that? If you were my dad, whoa, if you were my dad, what? Then I'd obey you. Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, you would not. And the reason you haven't learned to obey your youth pastor, your pastor, your teacher, an officer of the adults is because you have not learned to obey your dad. Now, I can quickly add, why has he not learned to obey his dad? You ever heard someone say, well, back in my day, we respected our elders. You think kids were just born in the 50s respecting their elders? No, they had old people that, that beat it into them and trained it into them and taught them to obey their elders. The reason kids now do not know that, I don't mean to be unkind because we have not been teaching them. So you're not my dad. Uh, you've met my dad my mom and my friend Brendan and my daughter Lauren and my wife, it. I got that all mixed up, but uh, you've you've met them. So my dad, and mom are here. Um, my dad's name is Bill, Bill Rice. I've known my dad for 52 years. I ain't never called him Bill in my life. Now maybe you have today. Go for it. Good luck. Good luck with that. I mean, I, but I'm not going to do it. I, I I've never called him Bill in my life. Why? Because I'm dumb. (laughs) But I'm not that dumb. He's my dad. So I don't call him Bill. He's my dad. That is respect. So um, we should be teaching respect by our example. and We should be expecting uh, teaching respect by the lives we live. Look at chapter 6. The Bible says in verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Why? That the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. In other words, when I honor the authorities that I can see, I honor the God that no one can see. When I am a rebel to the authorities in my life that have flesh and blood, I'm dishonoring the God that I say I believe in, but no one can see. If they're going to see that God, they're going to see it through my treatment of the people in my world, including the authorities in my life. Uh, we looked at Titus today, so let me just read Titus chapter 2, verses, uh, a couple of verses. Titus 2 5. The Bible says. Uh, that uh, the older ladies are to teach the younger ladies, verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. When I am living in, in rebellion and um, uh, it's just hard to, to obey, what I'm doing is I am demeaning the, the name of God. Uh, verse 10, servants. How are they to live? Not purloining, the word means petty theft, but showing all good faithfulness, all good fidelity. Why? That, in order that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior and all things. We looked at those verses this morning. So the point is that your home should teach respect. Now look, I can't teach what I'm not doing. I cannot teach what I will not do myself. Uh, I was privileged to preach in a church up in the northeast years ago. I've been there many times actually and good people and great people and I've been with two pastors there. First time I was there was a Sunday through Sunday meeting. And Saturday night before the meeting, we had a youth uh, rally. And the kids didn't know me. I didn't know them. But there was an obvious, tangible lack of respect from those teens to everyone, the youth pastor, other adults, and then eventually to me. And my feelings weren't hurt. They didn't know me. In one sense, they didn't owe me personally, but I did note it. The next day was eye-opening because I wasn't with the kiddies. I was with their parents. Now, what I'm going to say is subjective. It's subject to my my memory and my my perception of what happened, but I'm confident this is true. There was a general disregard and disrespect from the people of the church to the pastor. Uh, I later was told, and you have to be careful listening too much, but I I don't think it hurt me that week. The youth pastor said that oftentimes parents in the youth group would <clears throat> take sides with their kids, which, which is fine, against their youth pastor, which when you think about, but in front of their kids. A lot of those people, and I don't mean to be unkind, those people lost their kids, and they probably don't even know why to this very day. I don't get what I want. I, don't, I, I get what I give. I don't get what I think I'm doing. I get what my kids see I am doing. And in my life, sometimes those are, have been two different things. So what is, my, what is my home? What is your home to teach? Our homes are to teach respect. Uh, your home should teach respect. Number two, quickly, your home should teach something else. Look at, um, we're going to skip the brother. Look at verse two. Uh, how, how is this, this young pastor to treat the elder women? the elder women as mothers. Now, what does that mean? Well, I don't have to wonder because the Bible actually tells us. Uh, Verse 4 says, But if any widow have children or grandchildren, that's what what the word nephews means, let them learn first to show piety where? At home and to requite or repay their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. So, Uh, verse 8 says it very emphatically. I I don't think I can emphasize it more than God does. But if any provide not for his own, it's talking about grandparents, your, your, your mother, a widow. If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Those are strong words. Now look, you know, a church has both the right and the privilege and the obligation. To care for widows, for instance. And you find God's heart for widows in the Old Testament. You find it anecdotally. You find it in stories. You find it narrative. You find it doctrinally. God has a tender place in his heart for widows. And it's our privilege to care for widows. But not if their widow's family's right there and they won't do anything. In other words, my pastor is not obligated to care for my grandmother if I won't. I mean, what I'm saying is, that's not the way to say it. What I'm saying is, I'm the one that should do that. Now, if my pastor helps and the church helps, wonderful. But the church is not the home. The home is not the church. And sometimes, uh, this is another message for another time. A lot of our problems are we we confuse the three institutions. We disregard church and it's all home. Or we crawl over the home and it's all church. Uh, right now, we're living in a time and place where the home has been killed, the church is, is whacking that over the head, and government is God. The government's all we've got. It's our mama, our papa, our... Our money, our future, our hope, our everything, our God. And that is not God. God has established three institutions, and they all affect each other. So the home is very important to this church. Your brother is important to brothers in Christ. The way you treat your sister is important to the way you treat the ladies in this church and and abroad. So what is your home to teach? It's to teach respect, but it's to teach responsibility. Uh, Your home is your primary responsibility. Verse 4 says, let them learn first to show piety, to be religious, to be spiritual, where? At home. Don't come here and be pious. Do that at home. And if it breaks out to church, great. Uh, your home is your personal responsibility. If any provide not for his own, his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Can I ask you a question? Where are our children going to learn to work ethic? I uh, was what we call ranch hand in the 1980s, if you can imagine that. And so we took care of camp. We made the mills and cleaned up after the mills. It was an enormous amount of work. This was pre-air conditioning uh, in the 1900s. And so we, we worked from sun to sun, and I'm not joking. You, if you've not been a ranch hand, you don't know. <laughs> right, and I don't know your story either, but it was hard work. It was also great work. I had made friends that were in my wedding and friends to this day, but we worked hard, and I've got to tell you, a lot of, a lot of the guys that came, a lot of these kids, bless their hearts. They, they were learning to work for the first time in their life. Now, I learned to work at a different level, perhaps, like in my sleep kind of level, but this lady taught me to work, and my dad, too, but mom, especially in the summers. I mean, she, she, she taught me to work. That, that, that's important. I mean, whatever kind of schlub I am now, uh, it could be worse if it were not for my mom is what I'm saying. See, work ethic, you learn at home. What about honesty? Isn't it funny how we really are intent on honesty from our children, and then sometimes we can let it slip ourselves? Someone rings the doorbell, hey, tell them, tell them mom's not here right now. And then we wonder why uh, we have dishonesty with our children later on. Um, it's our personal responsibility, work ethic, honesty, etc. So our homes should teach responsibility. Let me give you one more, and we'll, we'll be done soon. And that is found in, this is very interesting, in verse 2. The elder women were treated as mothers, the younger as sisters. What are the next three words? With all purity. So, you know, it's interesting, and I'm not, I don't think I'm stretching this. God, if I could say this reverently, God almost assumes, and he, he'd be right to do so, that we know what it means to treat an older man as a father. You, we, we, you've said it with respect. We know what it means to treat an older lady uh, like her mother because the Bible gives us the outline in the following verses. But when it comes to younger ladies, it's almost as if God wants to make dead sure you know exactly what He means. The younger women in the church were to treat how? As sisters. What does that mean? With all Purity. That's the point. So your home and mine should teach restraint. What is right with one's wife is not right with one's acquaintance or dearly beloved. You know, a sister means something because marriage means something. It's relative to marriage. And so much of this is about what you learn relative to the home. You know, here's a a young couple, they're 15 and they're madly in love. And uh, they weren't theologians yesterday, but they are now. They're worrying about how much they can get away with on a date and still be good Christians, good Baptists. And they want to know the Greek because they want to make sure they're not getting cheated out of anything here, right? Like youth pastors just giving a rule instead of disguising it as a verse, some little proof text. So their burning question is, how much can we get on, away with on a date and still be respectable Baptists? Can I give you a suggestion? Treat her like your sister. Now I don't want to be silly here because that'd be crass, actually. This is pretty deadly serious. But if you do that, I think you're gonna be okay. I mean, no one in the right mind would say, How much can I get away with with my sister? That would be that would be That would be wicked and that'd be crass. You wouldn't do that. Now, we can quibble over exactly what that means but it surely is a lot more powerful than like, here are 25 rules. I think you need those rules, by the way. I almost made a case for that tonight. I'm not going to. But I'll just say in passing, your child needs more than a good heart to avoid destruction. David was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Look at Proverbs 7. My son, keep my law that they may keep thee. The rules you keep will protect you. So, different message for a different time. But I'm simply saying that Um, this is important. You know, marriage is the difference. Someone says, well, we're so in love. Love is not the difference. Marriage is. There are a lot of people I love to whom I'm not married. I'm only married to one person, and that's a singular relationship. Um, Marriage is the difference. Hebrews 13 says, marriage is honorable. To what extent? In all. What does that mean? And the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Do you realize that what is looked on with blessing in Hebrews 13 is called uh, wickedness, perversion in Romans chapter 1? The difference, there are a number of differences, but the the primary difference is marriage. One is honorable, one is dishonorable. Romans 1 is dishonorable. So marriage is honorable and marriage is exclusive. So in closing, let me just say, look, we need to restrain the wrong ideas and we need to train the right ideas. Proverbs 5, you learn this, that a young man is protected by the the guidance of a father and a married man is protected by the love of his wife. Look at it, Proverbs 5. You can almost cut it right down the middle. Both are protected, one by a father, one by a wife. So, do you think I should train, uh, my, my sons are all old like me, but uh, do you think, say I have a five-year-old son, I did it once upon a time. Do you think I should train my son about moral about morals and things such as that in this current day? Do you think I should do that? Yes or no? Yes. Proverbs 5, let me just, I tell you what, I'll turn there, that will help me. You, don't, you can not turn, I'm not going to wait if you'll allow me not to, and either way I'm not going to wait, but uh, Proverbs five one. My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding. It's not the son's understanding that protects him. It's dad's. Obedience brings understanding. Rebellion reduces the light you have. Why? In order that thou mayest regard discretion, for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. What does a strange woman mean? It's, it means she's a stranger. She's not your wife. She doesn't belong to you. So, look, do you think I should treat, teach my five-year-old whether guy or girl, boy or girl, the dangers of the strange woman. Do You think that's something I should do as a father? How many of you think I should? <laughs> okay, no, we do, right? Okay, so when should I start that? What age should I start treat, teaching my son about the dangers of Proverbs 5, 6, 7, 4, 3? When should I do that? By the way, that's the context for a lot of the Proverbs about dads and their kids. A lot of it, a lot of it, because it... it it's about family and perpetuity. It's amazing. It's all connected. Okay, so um, when should I start teaching my my son about the dangers of the strange woman? Well, I'll tell you this: when he's thirteen, that's going to be a challenge, isn't it? I mean, in this society, and what we're you know the phone that we give our son and the things we allow our sons to do, we he needs to be ready for that before we you know we kick him the dog. So let's make sure we have him ready to do that, right? So thirteen probably is a good time to start training him to to. to Beware, right? Well, it's a little late, wouldn't you say? Okay, so let's back it up. How about 12? Is that a good time? Too late. I agree with you, sir. 11? Is that okay? Too late. 10? 9? Wow. Hope I don't get painted doing quarter here. 8? 7? We're about to launch here. You can only go to one. (laughs) Okay. You start training him the day he drops, the day day he's born, the day you're given this this child. So what does that mean? Does it mean do I prop him up with his wobbly little legs and say, son, let me teach you about the dangers of the strange woman? This is a fascinating Hebrew word that means blah, 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 blah. You don't have to know Hebrew. You have a Bible, as dad says, you have a mind, brain, use them. Be used by them. So, when should I begin it? Here's what you do, okay? You're driving down the road, and you see a vulgar sign. Is that possible in mid-state Florida, or anywhere for that matter? Is that possible? Yes. Don't go to the Hebrew, and don't say, son, don't look at that. Because what now is everyone looking at? That. So you go by the side. you say, son, look at your shoes. Now, if we're at a point in our family where he says, why? You've already lost it. Too much time, too much conversation. Look at your shoes. Okay, wham, he understands. There will come a time he will understand. Look at your shoes. You are training him about the dangers of the strange woman when you say, look at your shoes. Here's a girl that's 10 years old. She's getting ready for school. She's all dressed. She's ready to go. And mom sees her and she thinks, wow, this fit three days ago and it's immodest now. She doesn't tell her about the Hebrew of the strange woman. She says, hey, honey, let's wear something else today. Let me help you find something else. What is she doing? She's training her and teaching her for things that they need to know. So look, what we watch on television, what we watch on screens, what we allow, what we don't allow. And we need to train the right ideas. The Bible tells us that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Are we doing that? Uh, That's a supernatural love. So look, what are you teaching in your home? What are you teaching in your home? The fact is, every one of us is teaching every day. So promote marriage with the right ideas and the right example, and protect marriage from the wrong ideas and the wrong examples. Look, if you want to succeed in the world, practice on the people at home. I was saved when I was four years old, which is very young. But as you heard today, a four-year-old, a youngster can be saved. You know, the the standard for salvation is not some theologian that's 40 years old. No, it's it's childlike faith. You know, children, faith all the time because they don't have a choice. We adults get too smart for our own good and we get all confused all the time. It's not, well, it is because we're smarter, but it ends up it's not a smart thing to, to do. But um, I was saved when I was four because I heard the gospel on a regular basis, and so that, that is possible because I, I was saved, and I'm, I'm still saved, right? So I was saved when I heard a message on John 3.16, and there was a brief snippet in that message about God's judgment and hell. And uh, by the way, that's a good motive. Christ gave it, so I took it. And I took him, and I was saved when I was four. I came home to an Airstream airstream travel trailer, which my folks are different one, but still living in an Airstream. And uh, my, my parents led me to Christ. Some years later, I was listening to the same exact preacher in the John O'Rice auditorium. There were 900 teens there that night. I was on row 30, which was four rows from the very back at that time. And he preached on just giving your life to, to God, lock, stock, and barrel. Not be a preacher or be this, but... Be willing and be obedient, and you'll be in the right spot. And so I said, "Hey, that's me." And I walked a long walk, thirty-four rows to the front, pray with the counselor. And that's the one reason I made the decision. It would have, it would have made a difference either way. But the reason I remember it is because I did that. Same preacher. Later on, uh, I said, "I do to Cena," and she said, "She did. She would. I do to me." And we did. We were married. And that same preacher, you're way ahead of me, of course, he, uh, he preached a challenge at our wedding day. You know who that preacher was? I don't mean to be sappy or awkward, but it was my dad. That shouldn't surprise you. Why? Because the reason I'm privileged to be a part of my church and even your church tonight, and that's an honor, is because, not because I'm perfect, but because I learned what I needed to learn in the home. That is where it is to be taught. That is where it is to be learned. And may God help us to do our part in the days ahead. Would you just bow with me, please, for prayer? Pastor, perhaps, will join me. No, no one else is looking out of curiosity. Can I just apply this truth with three questions? And you've been so kind. Thank you for listening tonight. How many here would just say, Will, I can see an area in which I just, I need to train and I need to be example. I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm an adult. I need to start training. I need to start being an example. And God has put his finger, probably you didn't, because we've been fairly general tonight. But you'd say, I, I see an area in which I need to start training. I need to start exemplifying at home. And that's my decision. By God's grace, that's what I'm going to do when I leave this place. That's my decision, right where I sit. If that's you, would you just quietly slip up your hand so I can see that? God bless you, and you and you and you and you and you and you, yes, and yes, ma'am. God bless you, and yes, sir, God bless you. And yes, sir, in the very back. God bless you, and yes, sir. God bless you. Now look. Think about what that means tonight and ask God to help you to do it and then take action tomorrow second question how many tonight would say will I need to start learning and obeying and that doesn't describe my life but it should and by God's grace I want to to ask God to help me to start doing that I need to obey I need to learn when instruction is given me and by God's grace that's what I'm going to do pray for me would you raise your hand anyone like that tonight I need to start obeying yes God bless you yes Uh, Yes, okay, good. It's not just for young people and children. It's for us. God bless you. Yes, you, you may place your hand down. Thank you so much. Yes, God bless you, sir. Final question. I've not preached on this tonight, so I don't want to be confusing, but I wonder if there's anyone here and you just say, Will, I need to trust the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I'm not even in the family of God. I'm in the human race, but I'm a sinner and I've never trusted Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and save me and I need to be saved. Don't embarrass me. Do pray for me. Anyone like that tonight? Pray for me. Will I need to be saved? Pray for me. Anyone like that tonight? All right. Would you look this way? Would you look right up here? Let me tell you exactly what we're going to do. Uh, In just a moment, I'll pray, and we'll have just a a stanza of a hymn of whatever your choosing would be. Um, And look, if you've made a decision, well, first of all, let me just ask you to stand. Would you do that? Stand with me. In just a moment, I'm not saying, come make a decision. You, you've made a decision. I've preached 35 whatever minutes, uh, and, and I thank God for tender hearts and for your listening and for good decisions tonight. I don't know what hearts are, but I, God does, and I'm glad for that. So if you're one of many who have made a decision tonight, I'm going to ask you to do, first of all, I'm going to ask you to do something when you go home. Second of all, I'm going to ask you, if you don't know how to do something you've heard this week, which is very possible, we've just like fire hydranted, Everyone this weekend, and, and I know that. But you have a pastor, and you have a church, and this is why, one of many reasons why. So, so get help that you need. Get encouragement that, that will help you. But if you've made a decision tonight, in just a moment when I finish praying and the piano begins playing, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. Either take a seat or take a step. If you take a seat, or if, you, if you're able, you can take a knee. Just say, Lord, here's what I need to be teaching. Here's what I need to be training. I haven't been, but I'm going to start, if you'll help me. Lord, I haven't been accepting lessons, but I, I want to and I'm gonna start and, and just do business with God. If you want to take a step, it's a little snug up here, but if you want to take a step and pray down here, pray with Pastor, why well, take advantage of that? We we won't um, we won't rush you, but we certainly won't prolong this. But if God spoke in your heart, when I finish praying, the piano will begin playing. You just take take a seat or take a step if you're one of many who've made a decision tonight. Okay? Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for tender hearts. Please help our homes. We need you. We cannot do what we ought without you. We pray this in Jesus' name.